Hello and welcome to Culture Watch, a podcast outreach of Speaking for Him. I'm so grateful that you are here with us today. My name is Andrew Gomison, and it's my privilege each and every Monday to be your host as we look at current events from a Christian perspective. And I really want to thank you so much for making this podcasting journey such a delight, knowing that people are listening and gaining wisdom and information from these podcasts just makes me so happy. So thank you for your continued support. Thank you for listening. And I hope that this is indeed a help for you as you navigate the culture in which we live and as you engage in discussions on news and culture with those around you. Because as I often say, we are called to live in the world, even though We are not to be of it. We need to know what is going on around us, and we need to use the Bible as our guide to navigate through it. So I'm super grateful that you are here and that this podcast can be a tool to help you do that. Before I jump into this week's news, I just want to say again, thank you so much for your support. Uh, If you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's Speaking for Him podcast, which came out last Wednesday, please go do so. My good friend Tara Massey joined me on the show to talk about her new film studio, uh, Dove Light Studios, and their debut motion picture, Do Not Grow Weary. And you will not want to miss that interview. It was such a blessing to sit down and talk to her and to see what God is truly doing in her and her husband's company is an exciting thing to behold. And so you'll want to hear that interview and you'll want to pay attention to movies in the spring of 2024 when more information will be released about how you too can see Do Not Grow Weary. And then this coming Wednesday on the podcast, I have the immense privilege of sharing my interview with New York Times best-selling author Karen Kingsbury. It was truly a delight to sit down with her. You know, I've often heard it said that there's a kind of a quasi-joke-slash-common saying that goes around that says, don't meet your heroes because they will disappoint you. And this is often said in relation to celebrities in particular because we have one way in which we perceive them And then often they are different from that in real life. Well, I am pleased to inform you that Karen Kingsbury in real life is every bit as delightful as I have perceived her in her messages and musings over the internet and in her writings. So I'm super excited once again to be able to share a precious interview that I was able to do with her. That will be coming up this coming Wednesday, so in just two days on the Speaking for Him podcast. So again, if you want to listen to these or other podcasts, you can do that on this same podcast stream. Again, the Double Light Studios interview is up and the Karen Kingsbury interview goes live on Wednesday. 
So please join us for those. The final thing I will say in this introduction is that I've been a little bit under the weather this week, but I still wanted to bring you the Culture Watch podcast. And so I covet your prayers as I continue to recover from this illness. And I'm just excited now to jump into news for the week of November 16th. Well, we start our news journey today with a story out of the Biden White House involving his granddaughter. Peter Ducey live from the White House with what we know about Secret Service opening fire to protect President Biden's granddaughter. Peter? Yes, the carjacking and car stealing problem in Washington, D.C. has now extended to somebody with Secret Service protection. At 11.58 p.m. last night in Georgetown, which is about a mile and a half from where we're standing right now, uh, Secret Service officers who are assigned to protect Naomi Biden, that's President Biden's granddaughter, Hunter Biden's daughter, opened fire at three people who were trying to steal one of the Secret Service vehicles. We don't know exactly what kind of a car this was, but according to the Secret Service, who just sent us a statement, I... Secret Service agents encountered possibly three individuals breaking a window on a parked and unoccupied government vehicle. During the encounter, a federal agent discharged a service weapon, and it is believed no one was struck. The offenders immediately fled the scene in a red vehicle, and a regional lookout was issued to supporting units. That means that somebody tried to steal a Secret Service car from the agents that were protecting the president's granddaughter, and they got away. They're still out there. This morning, back to you. Wow, that's crazy. They got away. I can't believe they got away. But they, I can't believe they would target the president's granddaughter's car. They picked the wrong it's, car to break into. There are so many cars that are getting broken into in Washington, yeah. D.C. It's possible just based on the no volume idea. that they had no idea. No, there's a couple reasons why I bring this story to the fore. The first of which I, is that I wish the best for Biden's granddaughter. I don't wish for anyone to be taken advantage of or to be hurt in any way by violent crime. But the second reason that I bring this up is because I want you to realize how easy it was, relatively speaking, for good guys with guns to disrupt bad guys with guns from their mission. Most of us do not travel with a security entourage and have the ability to have our men look out for our best interest. So it is incumbent upon those of us who feel confident and safe in doing so to be well-trained and well-armed for the eventuality that we may need to defend ourselves or others. This is something that so many people do not understand about the Second Amendment. Every four years, or whenever it is that they run for office, Democrats, whether they're running for Senate, House, or President, will often try to say that they are pro-Second Amendment. One of the ways that they do that is they go hunting, or they talk about how important hunting is to America, but 
the reality is that the Second Amendment has nothing to do with hunting. Second Amendment is simply this. The right of the people to bear arms shall not be infringed. And one of the reasons that the people were given this right was even to rise up against a government if it became treasonous enough. In other words, the Founding Fathers knew that government was not about lording it over the people. Government was about being by the people, for the people, and of the people. And at such time as a government fails to serve the people, they can be removed. There are so many people today that try to say, I support the Second Amendment, while wanting to redefine what the Second Amendment means. The Second Amendment says that the rights of the people to bear arms shall not be infringed, and that is what it means. It doesn't need lengthy interpretation. So I want to remind all of the political elites, liberal and conservative, as they walk around with their secret service entourages who are armed, that not all of us have their privilege. And so the ability, again, to defend oneself in the public square is an important one for all Americans. The final thing that I want to say about this issue is that gun-free zones, I believe, are the most dangerous places in America. Because if you tell someone they're not allowed to use a gun in this particular public space, the law-abiding citizen will obey and will not use their gun. But the person who is intent on violence and who does not follow the law anyway will sadly take that as an opportunity to exploit those situations if they are allowed to do so. So I am just issuing this encouragement to my audience. Don't be afraid to defend yourself. I believe that the issue of guns is not about keeping children from them or keeping them away from the citizens but rather about teaching the citizens how to properly use them. A gun is not an aggressor. A gun is a weapon. Our second story that I have to share with you today is an inspirational one that came across my social media this past week and I knew as soon as I saw it that I wanted to share it with you all. Technically, 13-year-old Josiah Johnson of Louisville, Kentucky has a disability. But almost no one sees it because Josiah doesn't see it. Although born without legs, the kid has yet to find his kryptonite. Always did everything the other kids did. But that invincibility was put to the test last fall when Josiah decided to try out for the one sport where altitude is everything, the Moore Middle School basketball team. At this point, you may be wondering, why didn't he just join a wheelchair basketball team? It would certainly be a lot easier. 
Well, Josiah says, exactly. It was easy. It was too easy. You wanted more of a challenge. Yeah. The gumption it takes to be able to say, I'm going to go out and do that. Who has that kind of confidence? Me. (laughs) (laughs) But as Mother Whitney says, it's not just confidence. It's stubbornness. Josiah is very competitive, and if he feels like something is too easy, he's not going to do it. Still, Josiah knew making the team was a long shot. Fortunately, though, Josiah turned out to be pretty good at long shots. He made the team on his merits. And over the last few months has become a real contributor, getting offensive rebounds, assists, And because of his unique position on the floor, he has caused more than a few turnovers. He started taking the ball from people. He took the ball from me. I was mad. You would have thought Steph Curry was in the gym. But his teammates say his best play was a couple weeks ago. It was just a moment that I'm going to remember for, like, ever. It was the end of the game, seconds remaining. Josiah shoots from three. And again, his disability disappeared. What do you want people to take away from this? To do something that they thought they couldn't do. Josiah Johnson, inspiration and proof that all you need to stand above is confidence. Steve Hartman, on the road in Louisville, Kentucky. Josiah, congratulations on your effort. Congratulations on your accomplishments. I hope that you continue to do well and to shatter stereotypes. I definitely relate to Josiah in the fact that there are a lot of things that I shouldn't be able to do, quote-unquote, that I have been able to accomplish because my parents taught me to never say I can't. I spent time as a camp counselor. I've spent time in community theater. I've graduated from college with a bachelor's degree and a very high GPA. All these things I have done because my parents treated me normal and had the most normal expectations they could of me. And I really appreciate the gumption of this kid who made his middle school basketball team without legs. That is an accomplishment that very few can replicate. And I think that as someone with a disability, I can truly testify that you just come to a place where you work with what you have. And if I spent all my time thinking about what I couldn't do, then I wouldn't do half the stuff that I do do. But because I think of it in terms of I can, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, then I'm able to accomplish things and set an exciting example for those around me. And, you know, people have asked me before about what it's like to be an inspiration or how how do I feel about uh, being inspiring to those around me. And the first thing I would say is I don't usually think about it as inspiring because I just think about it as living my life. But then when I step back, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was pretty remarkable. That was 
Pretty amazing. Glory to God for his unspeakable gift and the opportunities that he has given me to shine in this life. And so I just wanted to share with you that inspiring story. And if this young man can play basketball without the use of any legs, then you and I can certainly meet the challenges that God has. Then you and I can certainly meet the challenges that God has for us. As we continue on in the world of news, we are starting to see the presidential field thin, and I'm a little disappointed with the announcement I'm about to make, and that is that Tim Scott has suspended his campaign for president of the United States. Let's bring in South Carolina Senator and Republican presidential candidate Tim Scott, who is battling not only his fellow competitors, but also battling the flu. Let me start by asking, how are you feeling? Dallas won this afternoon, so I I guess you're feeling a little (laughs) bit better, but how are you feeling and when are you going to get back on the campaign trail? Well, Trey, anytime Dak Prescott has five touchdowns, uh, you feel better about everything. Uh, I, I, I've been drinking a lot of water. I'll be down for another couple of days, but <clears throat> I'm looking forward to getting back on the campaign trail. Without any question, Trey, one of the things I would recommend to every single American, I know it's not possible, by the way, if you ever want to love your country more, run for president. Traveling this country, meeting people has been one of the most fantastic experiences of my entire life. I love America more today than I did on May 22nd. But when I go back to Iowa, it will not be as a presidential uh, candidate. I am suspending my campaign. I I think the voters uh, who are the most remarkable people on the planet have been really clear that they're telling me uh, not now, Tim. I don't think they're saying, Trey, no, but I do think they're saying not now. And so I'm going to respect the voters and I'm going to hold on and keep working really hard and uh, look forward to another opportunity. You are you are suspending your presidential campaign. You, you, You have you have plenty of money. You have the highest approval numbers of any candidate that is running. And you're you're a couple of states away from coming to a state where you are beloved and you are suspending your presidential campaign. You know, uh, Romans 8, 20 is such an important uh, scripture. It says that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Uh, I think the message is clear for me right now. Uh, I, I am indeed uh, suspending the campaign, but I, I am going to remain as committed to making sure that this country uh, chooses the right person by enjoying the journey of uh, just helping people Everywhere throughout South Carolina and through our country, uh, we have an amazing country. I'm very thankful to be in America. We should all be proud of this country. Uh, I was a kid, Trey, as you know, uh, nearly failed out of high school as a freshman. And here I am uh, running for president just a few minutes ago. So Tim clearly surprised the host in this piece, Trey Gowdy. And it definitely surprised me when I was informed this morning that he had made that declaration uh, last night that he is suspending his campaign for president of the United States. 
this presidential election cycle is very interesting on a couple of levels. First of all, we have an incumbent Democrat in President Biden. Second of all, we have a former president named Donald Trump who is running for the nomination on the Republican side. I was actually kind of surprised how many Republicans came out to run for the nomination given the fact that a former president is the presumptive Republican nominee. But I think too many people are presuming that. And I think that we haven't even had a single primary yet. And so I'm always a little skeptical about this pre-voting chatter and all these polls. And I was really hoping that Tim Scott would at least be in a couple primaries to where we could actually see how he would pull among actual voters. But there must have been something in his campaign where they felt that it wasn't the greatest to move forward. But I definitely like Tim Scott. I think the, probably the most shocking thing that I heard on this interview, and I would encourage you to watch the rest of it through the YouTube link that I'll post on the blog. Perhaps the most shocking thing that was mentioned was the fact that he is not planning to lobby to be vice president. That he doesn't feel like his skills and abilities and his calling would be best served being a vice presidential nominee. Now, I don't think that rules it out entirely. However, one of the things I thought of when I was watching that was that if he has that position and then someone offers him the vice presidential post and he takes them up on it, then the opponent can bring up these words from this Trey Gowdy interview and say, aren't you a hypocrite for choosing to be a VP after saying that you were not going to? So it could be a gotcha moment. We'll have to see how things unfold. I think Tim Scott is a wonderful man who has a great deal of integrity, and he was definitely on my short list of candidates uh, to be the next president of the United States. So I'm definitely kind of reeling with the idea that he's out even before we get to the voting portion of the political season. Uh, but it's actually just been really crazy the last few elections, how early people jump in, and by consequence, how early they jump out. But definitely be praying for Tim that he would continue to represent the citizens of South Carolina uh, with integrity and grace, that he would continue to put his faith in Jesus at the forefront of everything that he does, and that America would thrive for having a man like Tim Scott in the United States Senate. As we continue on, um, I believe yesterday, Sunday, was officially Veterans Day. Veterans Day observed was Friday. I know this because I tried to call a government building and they were closed for business. Um, and so it was observed on Friday, but I believe the official Veterans Day was on Sunday. And Fox News did a really good piece on Veterans Day. 
where one of their commentators, who is a disabled veteran, told us about the difference between Veterans Day and Memorial Day. I think it's an important distinction that we need to remember. Today is Veterans Day. It's the day that we honor the service of men and women who have fought and continue to fight for our freedom. And who better to explain the true meaning of Veterans Day than our favorite reporter? Right here, he's also the former Marine bomb technician that we know and love at Fox. Joey, I know that occasionally you referenced this earlier. People might conflate Veterans Day with Memorial Day. Some key differences here, right? Now, I really want to take this moment not to scold or preach, but to give Americans some insight, because I get told, thank you for your service on Memorial Day. And I'm not going to ever, you know, make someone feel bad for saying that. But I think it's important to distinguish the difference between the two. Uh, So what do I do? I put this out to the group text of 13 combat veterans I'm closest to and say, what do you guys think? Because I know what I think. And and I just want to kind of explain this to Americans. You know, for, for most Americans, Veterans Day they may experience it as this corporate promotion holiday where they get to go get, maybe if they're a veteran, a free meal somewhere. And Memorial Day is about hamburgers, hot dogs, and a day at the lake. And sometimes people want to make you feel guilty for that and don't feel guilty for that. But some of us, a few of us, understand these two holidays and what they truly mean. See, Veterans Day is a day to say thank you to that regular American to your left or right that you live around, that you know, that you know they have that sticker in the back of their glass that says Army or Marine Corps. It's a day to say thank you. Thank you for taking that risk for me so that I might live free. And Memorial Day, much more importantly, in my opinion, as a veteran, is a day to say thank you for paying the ultimate sacrifice, for sacrificing all of your tomorrows so that one more of mine can be free and secure. To put it real simply, like my buddy Gage just told me on the group text, only the dead have truly seen the end of war. There's a lot of sacrifice that goes on after you come home. The veterans in this country are amazing, they're resilient, they're successful, they're also hurting those that went to war. So on Veterans Day, understand you've got a day in May to remember those that sacrificed and died. On Veterans Day, call up the veteran you know or the one you see in the grocery store. Smile and just say thank you. And when you say it to me, I'm going to tell you what I believe, which is thank you for being worth serving. Mm -hmm. That is so well said. And let me say on behalf of everyone here, Mm -hmm. thank you very much on this day, Joey. So just listening to that piece made me emotional. I'm so grateful for the sacrifice of so many for the sake of our country. I'm thankful for those who we celebrate Memorial Day for, who paid the ultimate price. As the Billy Ray Cyrus song says, all gave some, but some gave all. And truly, we are grateful to those who gave all. But I also want to acknowledge and honor those I know who are living veterans. I've got a long list of family members who I can honor today. Um, my brother Thaddeus and my brother Matthew both served in the United States Army. And I'm very proud of them. My brother Simon is a Marine. And I'm thankful for the time that he put in and served our country. My brother Philip is in the Air Force. My brother Nathaniel is in the Navy. And my brother-in-law Clinton is in the Navy. And again... 
so very thankful for each and every one of these individuals and the fact that they have written blank checks of varying amounts for our country and said, I will serve to keep my country safe. My cousin-in-law, Jeff Johnson, is another one of these. And again, so very thankful for his service in the U.S. Marine Corps. So within my family unit, we have the four major branches of the U.S. military represented. I have five siblings and a couple extended family members who have spent time in the service. And I'm so very grateful for each of them and to each of them for their sacrifice. If there is someone in your family who is a veteran, thank them for me as well. We could not be the strong country we are today if it was not for those who gave for the safety and security of this country. America is at liberty today because of these fine young men and women. And as you know, each year I acknowledge D-Day in June when the greatest generation stormed the beaches of Normandy and held back the roguish regime of Adolf Hitler and the like who decided that liberty was worth fighting for. Some came home, many did not. But what a rich history we have of those who have chosen to join a military service for the betterment of those around them. And really, that in a nutshell is what the Christian life is all about. Paul said, let each esteem other better than themselves. And there's no more tangible way to do that than by laying your life down for those in your country who cannot defend themselves. And each and every person who puts on the uniform of the United States military does that to one degree or another. I know there are many that never see combat, but part of the reason that that happens is because sometimes it's about peace through strength. Sometimes it's about doing the right things stateside to keep us safe. So whether you have served in combat or whether you have simply served stateside, we salute you And we are very thankful for your service. Well, it's been a good episode today. Uh, We've talked about some important things, I believe. And we are finishing up today with a very important story 
out of my home state of Michigan about how a local township board was ousted and replaced because of concerns about the Chinese Communist Party. Now, you'll remember that I have shared a story on here recently about how Sarah Huckabee Sanders stood up against the CCP in the state of Arkansas and said they cannot own land here. They must sell their interests to an American company and leave within two years. Well, this is an instance of a township taking action on an even more local level to make it very clear that the Chinese Communist Party is not welcome in small-town Michigan. Listen to this. A small Michigan town of just about 3,000 people overwhelmingly ousting their entire township board after they supported building a plant for a communist China-based company. Let's hear from the newly elected trustee at the Green Charter Township, Kelly Cushway. Kelly, so great to have you on. So tell me, what was the concern of you and the other citizens who got rid of this board because of this company, this China-owned company? Well, the biggest concern for me was the uh, national security issue. We've all heard in the news recently about uh, the provocative encounters by the Chinese military against our ships and our, our planes. Uh, we heard about the spy balloon that went across our country earlier in the spring. Um, I recently attended a uh, fundraiser where Mike Rogers spoke. He is a uh, former congressman mm-hmm. that is running for Senate against uh, Debbie Stabenow. And... He is actually uh, was the uh, um, House Intelligence Committee chairperson, and he told us that uh, the Goshen management has sworn their allegiance to the Chinese Communist Party. He said that uh, they will be gathering and collecting uh, surveillance, and they will be sending that back on to uh, China. Well, absolutely. China, Xi, and specifically has tightened control over all Chinese-owned companies by the Chinese Communist Party. And indeed, the largest shareholders of this company um, is a gentleman named Li Zhen um, and his son. They are both um, very well connected to the CCP. You know, first of all, there's so many levels that I'm so proud of this town. Um, First of all, choosing national security over what clearly would have been great jobs for a little town like yours. Um, Fascinating to see everybody coming together um, for America on that, but also just the idea that you all got rid of the whole board. I mean, it was done by canvassing, going door to door. Talk to me about that. Well, we started early in June um, with the canvassing. We got all the petitions that we needed to uh, recall five of the members, but the supervisor decided to contest the language on his position. It had to go before a judge. So we had to do that whole operation again. It was very time-consuming. We suffered from canvasser fatigue, but I might add that we've got all the required signatures in about 18 days against the supervisor. So it's been a a lot of work and a lot of uh, time. time put into this effort over the past summer, and I'm just real happy with the results. Wow. Kelly Cushway, you're proving that democracy is alive and well, at least in little towns um, like yours. And so that's really uh, wonderful to hear. So thanks so much for joining us this morning. Congratulations on all your hard work paying off. Thanks for having me on. You got it. So this story came out of Green 
Township, and this is a small township uh, near Big Rapids, Michigan, and it just goes to show you the power that a small local community can have when they set their minds on something. Uh, this gentleman said he didn't want to have anything to do with uh, the Chinese Communist Party. He didn't want that in his township, and so he worked hard to recall the board over the summer, and even when there were challenges in the plan, he stayed the course until they accomplished their goal. And to me, that's an exciting thing. And so I really do believe that one of the really exciting things about covering news in this day and age is that as depressing and as scary as certain things have become, one of the things that has been a joy over the last few years is the way that people are fighting it against woken communist agendas and not just sitting down and letting things happen because they've seen the results that occur when we sit down and let things happen but they've also seen the results that can occur when we stand up and take action. And, you know, it's a common saying, but it's worth considering. If you are walking through this life and you realize that a change needs to happen in a particular area, perhaps it is you who are called upon to help facilitate that change. I hope that if you have found this informative or even a little bit entertaining that you will share it with family and friends so that they too can be informed on the news of the day and be able to engage with others on it from a biblical perspective. Until next week, this is Andrew Gomison for Culture Watch saying, have a great week and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.